Old-Fashioned Murder and Mayhem, The Boy Who Fell from the Sky, Charles Henry Bennett, 1889. James Hudson peered out of his small North Missouri farmhouse at the ominous southwestern sky. It was cyclone season in the Midwest U.S. in the late 1880s. The clouds were low and swirling, and there was a strange yellow-green tinge to them. He warned his wife that there would be some violent weather soon, and they needed to take the shelter. Closing the door to the storm cellar, the deafening clatter of hail immediately began banging against the wood. That was followed by a loud, howling roar that caused the small hairs to rise on the back of his neck. He could hear the crack of branches and boards as they sheared off overhead. Minutes seemed to stretch into hours as the pounding and swirling went on. James held tightly to his wife as she trembled with terror. When the maelstrom was over, the couple emerged from the cellar to survey the destruction. Tangled tree trunks with limbs torn asunder waved eerily over the field, dotted with debris. They began gathering up the damaged boards and other rubble. He noticed a lump of tangled rags lying a short distance from where he stood. He saw his wife leaning over, about to pick it up, when she screamed, Jim! It's a child! Welcome to the True Crime Podcast, Old Fashioned Murder and Mayhem. I am your host, Mindy Hudson. This podcast brings you historical stories of murders and scandals that occurred in small towns throughout America. By combining the resources and methods used in genealogy research, I piece together the details of the lives and circumstances of notorious events that touched the lives of our ancestors. The aim of this podcast is to examine the background, documents, newspaper accounts, and cultural influences surrounding the events. It is not my purpose to sensationalize or shame the subjects or their families. All families have skeletons in the closet. But to look at the lives of real people and see how circumstances of nature and nurture, as well as how world events, affected the lives of the people involved in the stories. I have spent over 50 years interested in genealogy research and recently retired as head of genealogy at the Jefferson County Library in Missouri. During my tenure, I began a podcast entitled Murder and Mayhem in Jefferson County, Missouri, which gained popularity. Upon my retirement, I decided to continue and expand the podcast with similar stories found in small towns across the United States. Join me now as we explore tales of old-fashioned murder and mayhem. Summers in northeast Louisiana are usually hot and humid, with temperatures tipping over 99 degrees Fahrenheit. Nasty moods also tend to simmer. So it was that when 24-year-old Charles Hudson and his father were once again coming to blows, the secret the elder man had guarded for 18 years spewed forth like a boiling geyser. You aren't even really my son. Your name is Bennett, not Hudson. If James Hudson had hoped to take that little piece of history to his grave, he had utterly failed at that moment. It was apparent by the expression on Charlie's face that he had suspected that to be the case all along. 
Once the shock of the admission passed, James Hudson sat down as if the strain of holding that information all those years had left him weak and old. When the conversation ended, Charles Henry Bennett left Louisiana with $700 his adopted father had given him and headed to Harrison County in the northwest corner of Missouri, just below the Iowa border, where the remarkable story of his early childhood awaited. According to Hudson, he and his wife were living in Harrison County, Missouri in 1889 when they discovered the boy after a cyclone deposited him into their field. At first, they thought he was dead, but realized that he was alive and dazed. He appeared to be about five or six years old. Mrs. Hudson quickly cleaned the dirt and debris from the child's mouth, nose, and eyes and nursed him to health. In the meantime, the childless couple contemplated what to do. As some time passed without inquiry regarding the boy, their attachment to him grew stronger. Surely this was a gift from God. After years of disappointment, they finally had a son. However, it didn't take very long before they heard that a boy fitting his description had been swept from another farm about 10 or 12 miles from them, and since he had not been found, was assumed dead. Panic engulfed them. How could they take the chance of their gift being taken from them? So, they sold their farm and quickly moved away to Louisiana. For 18 years, they had jealously guarded their terrible secret. But even though the boy had been old enough to know his name was Charles, he didn't recall any of his life before the storm. The Hudson couple raised Charlie to believe he was their natural son. That is, until that fateful day in 1907 when the truth finally emerged. Once Charlie arrived in Missouri, he began asking the residents of Harrison County, where he had been found so long ago, if anyone knew anything swept away by a cyclone nearly two decades earlier. As fate would have it, an old-timer named Hank Burns recalled a family by the name of Bennett who had lost a boy around that age to a tornado. He knew of one of the sons, James Bennett, who had moved to Fairfield, Nebraska. Immediately, Charles made arrangements to meet his brother. It didn't take long for the startling news to spread. Newspapers across the country ran the story about the boy who was, quote, kidnapped by a cyclone, end quote, and dubbed the Cyclone Kid. From Nebraska, Charles Bennett traveled to Villisca, Iowa, where he met his younger sister, Maddie Richardson, wife of Ben Richardson, to his amazement and delight, he found that his mother, Sarah Bennett, was still alive, although his father, Jesse Bennett, had passed away about four years earlier. The actual date of the cyclone that carried young Charles Bennett away cannot be known for certain. However, there was a terrible cyclone that struck the northwest section of Missouri in June of 1889. An article found in the Maryville Republican of Missouri, June 27, 1889, gives several mentions of families who were affected by this severe storm. The article begins, Fierce winds, 
the cyclone in northwest Missouri Thursday, June 21, 1889. Damage done in Nottoway County, loss of life in Gentry County, fortunate escapes, and notes. The article begins. From Mr. L. F. Patterson of Union Township, we learn the following particulars of the cyclone Thursday afternoon. Mr. Patterson says he saw two clouds, one from the southeast and one from the northwest, meet and apparently pressed each other, the northwest one being lower than the other. After they had just passed, they seemed to whirl together and began rolling and twisting at a fearful rate. This was the southeast corner of Union Township, and the cyclone took a northeast course until it reached the Independence Township line, and from there it seemed to take an easterly course. The first place the storm struck was S.C. Leach's. It tore off his chimney, lightning rod, some weatherboarding, blew down some of his forest trees, and ruined one-third of his eight-acre orchard. One half mile east of Mr. Leach's, the storm struck J.W. A. Waltz, blew down a few apple trees, and toppled over a chimney. The full force of the wind did not strike him. One half mile east of A. Waltz, it struck John Allen's house, blew nearly all the roof off, and tore down stable and outbuildings. A half mile further east, the flue was blown off Dude Simmons' house and was sent down through the roof. The house was badly wrecked. Fine orchard, nearly an entire loss. Barn demolished except for the foundation. One-fourth mile east of Simmons, on the opposite side of the road, the storm struck the snowball schoolhouse. The house was parted by the force of the wind, a portion being blown away and the remainder badly wrecked. Here, Mrs. J. M. Berkey's little girl had an arm broken. There are several others mentioned in this article, but dropping down to Gara, Missouri... There's an article that says the towns of Siloam and Lone Star were badly wrecked yesterday between 2 and 3 o'clock p.m., every house in Siloam being more or less damaged, except the sanitarium and the residence of S.G. Bulger. The tornado first approached from the northwest, forming a perfect hurricane, and thence moved almost due south. John Mann's wife and several children were blown about a 100 feet with the entire house before it was wrecked. The house was scattered in fragments. Another part of the article goes on to say, Colonel Sego and wife were badly hurt by their house blowing down. Mrs. Sego falling across her two children and saved them while a heavy beam was found lying across her back. Another mention says the town of Lone Star had but two houses remaining and they were partially damaged. The storehouse of A.C. Townsend & Son was totally destroyed and Mr. Townsend probably fatally injured. The largest Baptist church at Siloam was moved about six feet. Hundreds of horses, cattle, and sheep are moving through the corn and wheat fields to make the destruction of the farm still more complete. And finally, it says, outside of this line, there are some ten or dozen homes and barns badly damaged and some of them destroyed. The cyclone seems to have been about one mile in width and fully 12 miles in length. While this may not be the storm that took Charlie, it does describe the damage that can be done by the force of a tornado. As the details unfolded about that fateful day, 
Charlie learned that he had been playing near the barn when the winds grew dangerously fierce. As he began running toward his house, he was lifted off his feet. His mother, frantically running toward him, was also lifted into the swirling vortex, but was thrown down so violently that she was knocked unconscious. The small boy was tossed like a rag doll over ten miles before being spat from the mouth of the roaring monster. The Bennett family farm exploded with the force of the storm. Afterward, there was a frantic search for Charlie, but no sign could be found of him. One cannot imagine the grief that must have engulfed the family as they had to assume the boy had been killed and his body lost forever. Jesse Bennett, born in 1835, married Sarah Lane sometime around 1860. Shortly after, he served in the Civil War under Captain Filson's home guard in Caldwell County, Missouri. According to U.S. federal census records, there were 15 children born to them, but three had died prior to 1900. Known children included Jane, Mary, John, Anna Rose, James, George, Elmer, or L, Thomas, Samuel, Charles H., and twins, Maddie Bell and Jacob. At the time of the cyclone, Jesse Bennett owned 40 acres in the southwest section of Fairview Township, Caldwell County, Missouri, near Catawba. Evidence shows the Bennetts had moved to Sugar Creek Township in Harrison County, Missouri, prior to the 1900s, probably due to the devastation of the storm. Sometime around 1903, Jesse Bennett died and Sarah, in her 60s, moved to Long Beach, California, perhaps with one of her married children. There is no known account of Charlie's initial reunion with his mother, but she did return to live in Harrison County, Missouri, by the 1910 census. On May 22, 1909, Charlie married Fanny Ford in Benton, Arkansas. Shortly thereafter, the couple moved to Sedgwick, Kansas, where Charlie farmed. Two daughters were born to them, Julia Verbal and Dolly Hortons. By 1920, they returned to Arkansas according to census records. In 1925, they are found enumerated on the Iowa State Census in Adams County. Charlie's mother, Sarah Jane Bennett, passed away on September 25, 1927 in Harrison County, Missouri. Her obituary in the Wednesday edition of the Bethany Republican reads as follows, quote, Mrs. Sarah Jane Bennett, who was the widow of Jesse Bennett, died here at one o'clock Saturday afternoon, death being caused by a natural breakdown from old age. Mrs. Bennett was 85 years old and was born in Caldwell County. Most of her life was spent in Harrison County after she had been married early in life. She was the mother of 15 children, seven whom are dead. Funeral services were conducted Monday afternoon at 3 o'clock at the Cat Creek Church in the vicinity of Melbourne, where the sermon was preached by the Reverend Paschal Meek of Blue Ridge. Safe in the arms of Jesus, in the garden, and the home over there were sung by a neighborhood choir with Pearl Smith as accompanist. 
Burial was at the Cat Creek Cemetery. End of article. Charlie Bennett and his family continued to live at various places in Iowa until his death in January 1941. He was buried at Morton Mills in Villisca, Montgomery County, Iowa. While researching the remarkable story about the kidnapping of Charles Henry Bennett, it became apparent that there were many mysteries that will likely never be solved. There was no record found of a couple by the name of Hudson living in Harrison County, Missouri that fit the details of the newspaper accounts. The reported town in Louisiana, where the family was supposed to have fled, was listed as Melbourne in newspaper articles, but there is no town by that name. There is a plantation named Melbourne in East Carroll Parish in northeast Louisiana. However, no Hudson matching the few clues could be found. Perhaps the name of the adoptive parents was hidden to avoid having charges of kidnapping brought against the folks who had raised him. It is likely that the reporters confused the incorporated town of Melbourne, Missouri in Harrison County with Charles Bennett's home in Louisiana. Another perplexing mystery is the birth date of Charlie Bennett. In the early records found, it appears he was born about 1883. However, by 1920, he adopted 1876 as his birth date. That would have made him much older at the time of the cyclone, and unlikely he would not know more information about his family. Despite these discrepancies, the story of Charlie's kidnapping, whether by wind or by human design, has been passed down through the generations of the Bennett family. In a message received from Melissa Zalico, a descendant of Charles Bennett, quote, Charlie was the father of my great-grandmother, Verbal. I spent much of my childhood years with my great-aunt, his daughter Dorothy. I remember both of his daughters speaking of him my grandmother too. From what they said, he was a humble family man with a bit of a mischievous side to him. He had no clue of his origins until he was told. Then he became determined to find out who he truly was. End quote. Thank you for listening to this episode of Old Fashioned Murder and Mayhem, The Boy Who Fell from the Sky. Whether you are listening to this program as a podcast or watching via YouTube, please be sure to like, subscribe, share, and comment. For more information on this and other podcasts of Old Fashioned Murder and Mayhem, please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, where there are links to resources, photographs, and documents used to construct the stories. For questions, comments, or suggestions for other historical subjects you'd like to hear, please email Mindy Hudson at M-E-L-I-N-D-A-M-A-L-O-O at gmail.com. Join me again next month for another episode of Old Fashioned Murder and Bayhams.